0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member, FDSE.
1: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV.
0: Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. My guest in this episode is an absolute champion in the not-for-profit sector here in WA. I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock, you would have heard of those incredible Uh, mega home lottery draws and all sorts of other incredible prizes. That is just one small part uh, of what my guest uh, and and what he does uh, is all about. Uh, As the head of MSWA, uh, he's been championing the cause not just for uh, research in to multiple sclerosis, but all manner of neurological conditions. Uh, He's been in the role for some two decades and along the way has been acknowledged with an Order of Australia medal uh, for his service to the disability sector. He's been awarded an honorary doctorate from Edith Cowan University. Uh, He's the vice president of the Chamber of Commerce and Industry uh, and, as I mentioned, the CEO of MSWA, which is now a powerhouse uh, in the disability and not-for-profit sector. So it's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Marcus Stafford, (laughs) AM. Thank you, Tim. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for your time. Let's start with, I suppose, the most current news around you. Um, You are calling time (laughs) on your incredible two decades or so
1: at MSWA. And when I heard your introduction, which said two decades, I thought, gee, has it really been that long? (laughs) Yes, I am. So it's been the most amazing 20 years for me. And And when I started, we were a a $4.5 million little company with 120 staff. And I think it's probably appropriate that I move on now as we are well over $100 million in our revenue and uh, about 1,000 staff. So it's been a wonderful ride, but I'm ready for a new journey. Can I ask, what is the new journey going to look like? Well, it originally started with that foolish word, retirement, and (laughs) um, it very quickly changed to semi-retirement. So you you mentioned in your introduction that I'm the the vice president of of CCI and I'm very proud to hold that role. Uh, Very probably, I will hold one or two other board roles and also do a little bit of consulting to help organizations hopefully improve their performance. I've got a bit of a track record over that, over too many years, as you you (laughs) rightly
2: outlined. You're too good to just drift off into the sunset and, <laughs> and not contribute in some way. Um, what's been the secret of your success then, do you think, at MSWA? Because it's a tough sector to be in and you often hear of people, great people who give their heart and soul and go into it, you know, treating it as a, as a vocation and a calling, but it's it's really tough and mm. it's draining for a but, lot of people. What's been your secret?
1: So I think my secret, you, you summed it up in two words when you said great people. And before people switch off, because I think, my goodness, this guy's immodest. <laughs> uh, I'm not in any way talking about myself. I have been surrounded by truly great people, be they on our board of directors or within our senior management management and, and staffing groups. And, and when you have people of that quality, I, I started off in the earlier days by kind of setting the vision as a beacon on the hill hmm. and then said to everybody, okay, follow me. I'm the leader. Away we go. And as years have gone by, I've just been holding on to people's coattails and, and enjoying <laughs> the roller coaster of the ride. So quality people will really mm. make a difference to all organizations, as long as you you look after them and give them the steering and the shaping that they deserve.
2: Yeah. Um, tell me about the the moment you accepted the role.
1: Well, it was interesting. 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was actually very interesting. So uh, I was the head of retail banking at Bank West at the time and yep. had enjoyed a tremendous career with Bankwest, an organisation I I still greatly respect. Uh, But at that time, they had been taken over by Halifax Bank of Scotland. And um, most of the decisions that I and we as a senior management team had enjoyed making uh, were being made less out of Perth and and more overseas. And I was becoming a little bit frustrated. And my um, My mates, my colleagues said, Don't worry about it. You know, just let's just go play more golf and eat more lunch. And (laughs) and and I sort of Sounds like a good option. (laughs) (laughs) I've certainly reviewed that many times and wondered the folly of my decision. But um no, I just thought that that's just not me. So um I I just started looking around at where I felt I could make a difference and and I didn't want to work with an easy organization. So sort of philosophically I didn't want to work with cuddly animals. I I thought that Working with folk with incurable neurological conditions, um, if I could really make a difference in some way for mm. people who joined clubs they never wanted to be a member of, mm. then that would be pretty interesting. But the the transition from the commercial world, which had been my entire career up until then, into not-for-profit was marked and different. Mm. And uh, people have often said to me, gee, you know, that is that is so different. I said, well sort of not really culturally, values-wise for sure, but really it's all about people and it's all about money. Mm. And and if you can get those two things right, you stand a pretty good chance of making a difference. Yeah. What did you know about MS at the time?
2: So
1: how ironic life can be. So um, when at university, uh, sort of four and a half million years ago, um, my holiday job um, as I was trying to find some extra funds as pin money to buy me beers at the weekend. My, yeah. my holiday job was actually working at the London Hospital in the neurological department within right. the MS clinic. And so at the time, I knew the the top neurologist in the world, uh, a guy called Dr. Ronald Henson, and uh, worked with him and was just fascinated by it. I, I've always been a business and an arts guy. I, I wasn't mm. a science fella at all. But there I was so many years later and suddenly I was back within a world that Mm. was moderately familiar to me, albeit that I had life's rich experience under my belt at that stage.
2: And were you able to draw on that? connection in those early days? I was. With this um,
1: I, I could pronounce sclerosis. And <laughs> That's a good start. That, that, that was about it. And, yeah. and, and my initials, ironically, are MS. And so uh, there was a, a general feeling that perhaps this was meant to be. Yeah.
2: Um, how long uh, into the role were you when you felt genuinely comfortable and you're like, okay, like
1: this is where I'm meant to be. I can genuinely achieve some so the it's implication really of you the implication of your question is is after 19 and a half years <laughs> I now feel comfortable. <laughs> Look I, I'm comfortable is is perhaps a grandiose word. When did I feel that I'd made the right decision? Ah, yep. oh, within days of, right. of joining the organization. And yep. um, when did I feel comfortable? Probably never. And and I think that complacency is is a, a root of failure. So so I think that we constantly have to feel moderately uncomfortable and challenge the things that we do on a daily basis in the hope of making our product, our service mm. better and better. So, no, to this day, I don't feel comfortable, um, but I'm certainly satisfied with we've You haven't got much what time achieve. left to, <laughs> to get comfortable.
2: <laughs> very yeah, true, very uh, true. Um, you must have met some, some incredible people along the way. Uh, I, I suppose, and I'm talking about the people that are the inspiration for what you do as well. Like you said, people who unfortunately join a club that they never want to be a member
1: of. Absolutely. An absolute inspiration. You must
2: have met some, some really memorable people that have just, you know, their stories and their experiences have just stayed with you. Very much so.
1: Yeah. So I've, um, I met her in my very early days, I met a woman who was fair had a fairly serious end of disability. And, um, I would say to her, you know, hi, how are you going? And she said, I've got MS, which stands for minor setbacks. And, and that's how she looked at her life. Mm. Um, I've met men and women who drive their wheelchairs with their chins. I've met uh, young women in their 20s and 30s who one minute were thinking about their their house, their bigger house, their car, their their nice boat to Rottnest, and next minute they're diagnosed with an incurable condition. But pick themselves up from those dark corners and just reset their goals. The, the The journey might be more wibbly-wobbly than was originally anticipated, but they they reset their goals and, and away they go. And they are an absolute inspiration. I feel sorry for my kids, by the way. <laughs> in that, I, I have adult children now, um, <laughs> Natalie and Selena. But when they were children and they were complaining because they didn't have the latest iPhone or whatever it might be, my response would be, come spend a day at work with me. Yeah. And did they? They did. And it was an absolutely fascinating experience because yeah. they they don't see the disability even to this day. Yep. They they don't see the wheelchair. They don't see the crutches. They don't see the disability at all. They see that nice guy called Fred in the blue jumper or mm. Mary who helped me out with tea last week or so. It's actually, I I'd strongly encourage All parents listening to this, if you can get your kids involved in a different side of our community as early as you can, we'll all bear the fruits of that later on. Perspective is everything; it really is.
2: Yeah. Um, In terms of uh, uh, the, the, I suppose the way that we approached um, not just MS but similar disabilities as well, uh, twenty years ago, have we? If you can, if you can go back to the to the to the Marcus Stafford of say you know two thousand and one when you're looking ahead to what this adventure might look like and then fast forward to now are we where you thought we would be in terms of the way we try to you know be a more inclusive community we are, s- are, are, are we are we
1: are we there we, we're not at the destination no but we are we where
2: you, you thought we yeah might I think be? we are
1: yeah I think to be honest, we must be our team I, I think that if you'd asked me 20 years ago you know fill out a sheet of paper and Right where you think will be, and and the answer was we will have a disability scheme which gives choice and control to people with disabilities. We will have um, quality accommodation away from the old institutionalised feel. Mm. We will have the owners put on businesses from you know restaurants and cafes to offices to actually have disability accessible premises. And and the other huge progressions that we made, I, I think I would have been happy with that, together with a. I mean, I I have to say there's a a feeling of greater acceptance within our community mm. now, which is, we're all the same at the end of the day. Just mm. we have different needs and different challenges. Yep. And I'm pretty encouraged by that.
2: Yeah, uh, as you go back to your your homeland every now, I'm sure you haven't <laughs> probably been there for a while. But uh, I mean, how do we compare, say, to you know, to, to England?
1: Uh, hugely better. And, and yes, you, you might pick from my accent mm. that I originally hail from from the other side, but yes. are hugely improved. So yeah. I think scale and volume of population probably makes it more difficult for them. Yep. But equally, I have to say Western Australians are unique. You know, yep. We are a very friendly, personable, approachable bunch of people here. Mm. Yep. And um, and I think that therefore means that we're naturally more inclusive to people who are different from ourselves. Yep. And we love winning a prize too, don't we? We are
2: going to take a break. After that, I want to hear all about some of the incredible experiences I'm sure you've had uh, in the more fun end of your job, you know, handing the keys over to a million-dollar home and all sorts of other incredible prizes. Will be my pleasure. Uh, we'll get into that right after we take a break. Marcus Stafford is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more in just a moment.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything
2: welcome back to inspiring stories everyone has a story to tell this one is brought to you by Bower and O'Day and we are hearing the story of Marcus Stafford who very shortly unfortunately uh, will be wrapping up his time as the CEO at MSWA um, Marcus one of the things that uh, and, and look I, you know. I don't know if it's, if it's a great thing for you or, or just one of those, I mean, it, it's not the sum total of what you do, is it, giving prizes away, but it's been a great platform to put MSWA, you know, in the shop window for people to see, uh, it, for want of a better phrase, hasn't it? These incredible lotteries um, that you've been a part of it, it, over it some has. 20 years. I mean, you know, charities give away some amazing prizes, but it's hard to top um, winning a... Luxurious home or cars of, or all the rest of it. A luxurious home or two or, or three. Or two. I yes. allowed to say that now? Plus, <laughs> a, you know, a massive wad of cash to go yes, with it. Yes, I know. Um, the, the, the mega home lottery drawers have, have become famous uh, over the years. Um, tell me about, you know, the evolution of that. I mean, as the CEO of MSW, have you been able to? Attract those sorts of prizes and 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 build this amazing competition.
1: It it came from a very interesting nucleus. So a, a friend of mine was the the CEO of a of a company in South Australia and who was running a similar business. Yeah, and and he rang me and said he was very nervous about this major lottery from from Canada originally that was coming into South Australia. And he felt it was going to threaten his business. And I drove home that night and, and sort of thought about it, and it still plagued me during the night. And then when I drove in the next day, it was still bothering me. And by the time I'd arrived at work, I thought, well, you know, we can go one or two ways here. We can sit and wait for this threat to arrive on West Australian shores, or maybe we can do this a little bit differently. And so that was really the nucleus of saying, let's have a look at this. Let's see if we could perhaps take a little bit of a risk and hold this space in, in WA. Um, and it was whilst the nucleus of the idea may have been mine, the decision mm. was a was a team decision across both board and senior management. Was it a tough sell? Um uh, look, I look I think when you're risking a sizable bit of the farm, the answer is probably yes it was. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But I think when we when we looked at our ambition for people with neurological conditions out five, ten, twenty years, mm. it was probably a, a, a pretty impressive way of achieving some of those goals. So mm. it ultimately wasn't a difficult decision, but it didn't mean that I didn't age about 15 <laughs> years in five. Uh, and the journey of recent years has been more enjoyable, more enjoyable because we yeah. have managed to secure that MSWA mega home lottery brand name within yes. our market, which, yeah. is, which is obviously attractive for us. Mm. And uh, writes us a lot of money nowadays, yep. which allows us to do... Services and, and build accommodation, of course, to be the country's biggest contribu- contributor to neurological research, which yeah. we're very proud of. Yeah,
2: oh, and and how do you get those, you know, the the, the big prize donors on board? Is it just a lot of conversation around the board table? So, so how, so how there are, do you bring all those
1: incredible yeah, contributors? There are together? no prize donors. Right. So um under and quite sensibly by the way under yeah. the the public sector commission requirements yeah. um y- you can't get donations for those prizes so we purchase all of those prizes right. so whether it's a uh, a house or a car or a holiday or a boat, or a, we, we purchase them all. Okay. Uh, we do it as commercially, commercially as sensibly as we can. And yeah. um, we certainly, you know, we certainly say that we're a very worthy organisation and give us your best price, but ultimately yeah. we, we still yeah. buy those prices. It's,
2: it's a big investment for a mm. not-for-profit, isn't it?
1: Mm. <laughs> Hen, hence I'm retiring shortly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hence, but it is. And, yeah. and I think the, uh, when I first joined MSWA, um yeah. Many people said, "You know, you guys are crazy. You've hired a banker to do this job. You've hired a business guy yeah, to look do what this he's doing. Job. What are you doing?" <laughs> um, but I think since then, those I've been able to work with and through the. F- the folk at MSWA and we put in place those commercial principles and, yep. and we have mitigated our risk by kind of you know stretching it across lots of different things and uh, yeah, the the results have been fun to be a part of
2: I, I bet, well tell me about some of those incredible experiences, I'm fascinated uh, by people in those extreme moments and how they react, um, you must have seen some people in some moments of pure joy, you know when you I don't know how it works, whether you pull a ticket out of a barrel or What it is, if you just call them up, or (laughs) however it is that they're made aware that they've won something. Um, But you must have seen some people win some, you know, completely extreme moments of jubilation. Absolutely amazing! Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's just wonderful to 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 watch them. So, um, I've never, genuinely, I say this, I've never given the major prize to anybody I haven't liked. Yeah, right. And and that makes it so nice. And and honestly, you're, you're generally giving it to ordinary west australians yep. you know you I, I haven't yet given it to somebody who said oh look thanks very much for that grand prize home and the million dollars cash i'll just pop that in my investment portfolio that that's never happened it's always gone to a mum and dad a, a grandma, a granddad somebody who's just a General West Australian, and it's a life changer for them. Yeah, the the answer to your question, the responses are just amazing. How does it work? Well, now we used to do the the barrel roll. Yeah, um, but nowadays it's all done technically online and swirls around and comes up with a random number, which I Mm -hmm. point out is uh, carefully supervised by racing and gaming in our auditor. Mm -hmm. Um, But then out comes a name. We, from that name, we have a phone number. From that phone number, we make a call. And do you get to make the call? I do. I do. There are so many great things about my job, and that's one of them. Yeah. So I make that call. That's a and, good at work. And the response ranges from total silence yeah. to you've got to be joking <laughs> to this is a hoax or I've already bought a ticket and they hang up. So the, the responses are truly amazing. <laughs> and then when you call back the second time – and, and one one person said, "Oh, I you know I recognise your voice, yeah. So therefore, I know it's real, and so that that's a little bit easier. And yeah. um, other people might have seen my my face around, and that makes it a bit easier. But otherwise, mm. we say, just go and go on Google and give us a call, and then you'll find that your name's there. And and normally by that time." Mm. Um, some of their friends or family have seen the the launch and the draw and they're already the the phone calls are coming in. Have you realised that this is you? Yeah. So it's a wonderful response and, and delightful people. Yeah. And then as the day goes on, we invite them to come down. So if it's the ma- one of the three major prizes which are which are all home. So this this next one is the most beautiful home in Swanbourne. There's the um the River View um, apartment in Applecross and a, a townhouse in, in Netlands Dalkey. Yeah. So it's a pretty good spot. And they, they come along and they get their key and they walk around and we take photos and we chink a glass of champagne. Mm. And you just you're just a part of the exciting process. Mm. It's a wonderful experience. Have you stayed in touch
2: with any of these prize winners over the years? have well, they, you know, they, I mean, it's a pretty unique connection to have, isn't it? We have,
1: we have, and and, and about three or four years ago, I, I I haven't got too bad a memory for some things. You know, my family would tell me I've got a terrible memory for <laughs> things that matter, but i have not got a too bad a memory for some things. And uh, and a few years ago, a woman came up to me in a shopping centre and said, "You don't remember me, do you?" And I just remembered. Her name. She was a single mum. She yep. had a number of kids, and she had won one of our grand prizes. And I said, "Yep, I will never forget you or the others who picked this stuff up."
2: Yeah, yeah. And in terms of making a difference to to these people's lives, I mean, it's a life change. Incredible. It, it, yeah. it truly is a life changer. Eh? Are, you, are you going to miss that part of the job?
1: I will miss many parts of the mm. job. Mm. Um, there's no doubt about that uh, that uh, I honestly can 't say that there are many aspects of this job that i haven't enjoyed yeah um why am I moving? I asked myself that question <laughs> uh, I just think it it it's time for somebody else to to come in and take the next phase for the next ten years and i 'm sure whoever we as a company select will be fantastic and will do a wonderful job to keep yeah. the legacy and the momentum um
2: w- Was there a tipping point? Was there a moment? a light bulb went off where you thought it is time?
1: and Not uh, an instant light glow. Probably um, over a few years, um, I've, I had decided originally what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. Mm. I wanted to take us to broader neurological conditions. Mm. I wanted to be in the top three not-for-profits in Western Australia. We're now the second not-for-profit in Western Australia. Um, I wanted to make us the leading funder of research nationally. And I wanted to grow our client services to, to a certain level. So I, I'd, I'd set myself some internal goals mm. and, um, got there about 18 months ago. Yeah. Right. So that was probably the point where I said, I can sleep easy in my bed now, knowing that I've kind of done what I hope to achieve. Yeah. And now let's somebody have a crack at the, yeah. the next chapter in the book. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> Good luck to them. I'm sure they will be that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I,
2: and I know you've been sought out as a, um, as a mentor, as a guide in the not-for-profit sector over the years as well. Um, and in my digging around, uh, looking into you know, some parts of your, your past ahead of this interview, Marcus, I did come across a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation, the, the remaining slides from it that you gave uh, at a management conference uh, about five years ago. And there's some, there's some interesting material in that, shall we say, <laughs> that, that gives me a little insight into your past, going oh. back to your very young days Okay. Uh, as a young lad growing up in London. So maybe we'll get into that uh, right after we take a break. So get your stories ready. I will. Get your stories straight. <laughs> uh, and we'll tackle that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Marcus Stafford is our guest. Back with more soon.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Our special guest in this episode is Marcus Stafford, AM, uh, the outgoing CEO of MSWA uh, and an all-round legend in the uh, not-for-profit sector. He's done an incredible amount of work to, uh, to promote uh, the awareness, to fund research and to build better services for those living with MS and other neurological conditions uh, right around WA and around the nation. Um, but Marcus, let's, let's hear more about you, uh, the formative years <laughs> of Marcus Stafford. As I mentioned, I came across a, a PowerPoint presentation. That you put together some years ago. Oh dear, um, there are some <laughs> <laughs> some charming photos of you, Marcus, as a, as a young lad um, growing up in London. Uh, tell us about the the, the the very young Marcus Stafford. I'm just curious to know whether uh, where the you know the, maybe the seeds were initially sown that might have directed you towards dedicating mm. a big chunk of your professional life uh, to working essentially for others.
1: Well, um, I was born and raised on the wrong side of the railway tracks in London town mm. so my my I was fortunate to have two fantastic parents who supported me in in everything that I wanted to do my my father was a musician yep and at, at 90 he still plays piano better than anybody else I know really um, mm, fantastic, and
2: they're still in London
1: no uh, my, yeah. my mother died a couple of years ago but right. they're, they're both or my my father now is here in in Western Australia with with me with with us yep. and my family and um, so born and raised in, in that kind of environment, very unusual upbringing. So my um, my schoolmates kind of, you know, went home and did their homework, had tea, watched TV, went to bed. And, and I kind of went home, did my homework in the car on the way up to the nightclub in Soho where my dad was working. Came home at two or three in the morning, slept in the car on the way back, got up, got myself to school next day, and so it sort of went around from there. So, no way a hard luck story. I mean, I'm sure that a, yeah. a story which couldn't be repeated in today's world, but was certainly how I was brought up. Yeah, so so I had the opportunity really by <laughs> before leaving primary school. I don't think there's much I hadn't seen, Tim. Yeah, so uh,
2: I imagine Soho in, Soho's in those, interesting. those so, days would have been. Yeah, eye-opening for a young lad.
1: It was, it was, and and my my grandfather was unwell at the time, so my my mother was, um, south of the river, River Thames, helping him, and that's why I was having those formative years with my dad. My dad was working, playing mm. piano. And I was looked after by the you know, the nightclub doormen were, were my uncles and, and the hostesses were my aunties, and but I just saw it no differently. It was just a, to me it was a pretty regular way of being all time. What you did at nighttime. Yeah, but but you but you saw the other side of life. Yeah. And um, and the show business characters who came through taught me many things. So, you know, sadly on my list are uh, uh, Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile and, and many others. Yep. Um and so you get to observe different behaviours as a as a child and it makes you Kind of you grow up very quickly. You get an intuition about what's right. So you, you met wrong. these, I these guys. I uh, did. Yeah. And look, in all honesty, Tim, um, Rolf Harris and, and his activities, I would not have picked in a million years. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Savile was the most um, sleazy, unpleasant, dodgy guy I think I have ever come across mm-hmm kept him at a very much at an arm's length there was nothing about him that i found reputable yeah. and therefore when it came out decades later and uh, there was a level of surprise i have to say there, there perhaps wasn't for me whether i could have spoken up earlier mm. you know i was 9 i was 11 i was 13 it's a, it mm. was a different world but no you certainly i certainly learned a lot from, from that environment and um then i was lucky enough through through various sort of academic studies to to win a scholarship to what I've, what in West Australia we call a private school in in England is an English public school. Yeah. So my mates all had sort of daddy's beamer and Merck to fall <laughs> back on, and and I had my dad's panel van. So uh, it did tend to to keep my feet through my parents and and their stability. It kept my feet firmly on the ground. Yeah. While I reached for the stars, and I, I suspect there's bits of that which have followed me through my life. Yeah.
2: So I suppose as as your mates would have gotten to that age where they were curious about these sorts of places, what actually went on in, in Soho, it was all pretty blasé to you Well, know. it was,
1: and, and by the time I got to... It was quite interesting because by the time I got to, to stag nights and buck nights of, of my mates, uh, everybody goes to Soho and, and I would be the one who would... You, you could just see the dodgy deal and you could just see the, you know, the little bit of violence which was about five minutes away where they had no experience yeah. or exposure to this yeah. thing. So accidentally and unwittingly, I sort of became the, the, the torch and saviour mm. to take them through the process. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Dad being a museo, mm-hmm. was that lifestyle? Was
2: music ever something that you...
1: Your energies into. So I look. I still play guitar and sing now, and and did it as a semi-pro for a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, But I think that uh, clever people are those who know their own limitations. (laughs) And uh, having been brought up with my father, who at the time was was one of the top uh, jazz pianists in the world. Right. Um, Having been brought up with him, and looking at my sort of my initial three, and then my five chords on the guitar um i sort of thought no i, I think i probably I need, those no, genes. <laughs> no i need to follow a different path <laughs> yeah so what did mum do then so my mum was a, a shorthand typist a, right. a, a secretary so so she just worked in in commerce and and various bits of the public sector and um so a combination of my mum and my dad uh, just kind of led to me being brought up in in that unusual world
2: yeah and so advancing down the track a little bit here but what what brought you to
1: perth so in three words, quality of life. Yep. So uh, I, I, my role prior to leaving the UK, I had been sent overseas um, through Europe and into North Africa and a whole range of different areas to, to work as the head of strategic planning and HR mm-hmm. for my company. And um, I found having spent two or three days in, in Greece and then on the Friday night nipping over to one of the Greek islands for the weekend and then doing Spain and Portugal the next day, that when I flew back to Heathrow or Gatwick and into the smog, cold and drizzle of London, I found myself going, gee, you know, mm. there's got to be a better way than this. And so in in short, that was what drew me to Western Australia. And I would say this is the most beautiful place in the yep. world to live and i've not once been disappointed
2: was it always going to be wa then as it you was. sort of looked on the map and thought where can i go that was pretty
1: well it so yeah. sort of by elimination did you, have,
2: did you know people who were here already no Who'd no been selling no. it to you no it's me yeah
1: right. so so by process of elimination i sort of went round the country you know darwin was too hot and uh, brisbane was wasn't quite the culture i was looking for and sydney was like london and melbourne was like London, but without the humid weather in South Australia, wasn't quite. And then you got over here to this place with a Mediterranean climate, with mm. an affordable quality of life, with a city that was big enough to, to hopefully sustain the career that I was looking for. And uh, you've had me ever since, Timothy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what did you think of it when you first got here? Was Absolutely it what amazing. you were hoping for?
1: I, I had left a, a a fascinating and enriching career. Yeah. So the, the only negative for me was handing the keys to my company car back at Heathrow Airport and then finding myself working in a Western Australia during the recession that we had to have, yeah. which was 1990. That, that was tough. Yeah. And, and I found kind of going two or three steps backwards early in my career quite difficult. Yeah. But that was the only negative. And I mm-hmm. always looked at it as an opportunity to springboard into bigger and better things down the track.
2: Yeah. Um, there are some lovely photos of you uh, graduating from university as well in this PowerPoint presentation that I keep talking about and referring to. Um, what did you study initially?
1: So I did business, human resource management, yep. and industrial relations. Okay, that sounds quite boring. Uh, it was, it was, <laughs> and, and I specialised in it being boring as well, so uh, it was. Uh, but it was for me, it was always the means to the end. Yeah, exactly. That was to get you in the door in it a was. financial institution of some sort. It was. Yeah. And, and people sort of ask me, you know, as, as you have to, you know, what did I study? And I really have to go back in my <laughs> yeah. memory because... The bare minimum. Well, and I, I think that's probably it. You know, if I got 51% out of a 50% pass mark, gee, what yeah, I could exactly. have done with that extra 1%.
2: What am I doing? I've misjudged it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then getting here, was it straight into a job at Bankwest or... Did almost,
1: almost. So, so I, I did some management consulting for a, a small company. Yeah. Um, in the first six to nine months of, yep. of arriving in in WA, and then moved into to Bankwest from there. But I had so many different jobs at Bankwest. So they yep. they were tremendous. I'm sure still are, but they were an absolute tremendous company. They yeah. They moved me around every two or three years into different roles, and I I gradually got to get my experience across what I call the seven foundations of business because I always hoped that I could be a CEO of a company one day. So uh, yeah, it was a fantastic company, great jobs. And that's really where I ended up today.
2: I love this, um, this uh, slide you've got in here. It's a picture of Donald Trump uh, with the quote, it says, life would be so much easier if everyone were like me.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I, it was five years ago. that It was I, five I can't years ago. I, I don't think that life would be easier if everyone was like me, Tim, let me tell you that.
2: <laughs> Look, I'm sure it made sense at the time. Um, when did you get your folks over?
1: So my folks arrived here about 25 years ago. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually an only child. Right. So, so they weren't leaving Were they thinking, t- what have we done wrong? Our well, only I think child they is were. buggered off to the other side. I, I think so. And I did say that one of the things that my education got me was the power of imagination. And yeah. uh, so I think my father was was very receptive to it. He was always a little more creative and a little more risk-oriented. I think my mother would like to have kind of died in the village she was born in yeah. so it was a little bit trickier for her she's
2: a, a proper londoner
1: she she really was she yeah. really was but uh, but they enjoyed uh, i mean my my fa- my mother died a couple of years ago as i mentioned yep. and and my father when and grieving. He said he remembers they had a 70 year love affair. So That's incredible! you don't get that too often nowadays no. and uh, they, they've had a charmed life as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's take another break, Marcus. After that, I'd really want to, um, hear about all the incredible research, uh, that you've been able to contribute to, uh, over many years. Uh, cause we've talked a bit about MS, um, you know, in a general sense, but maybe you can enlighten us exactly what it is and some of the other neurological conditions too that, uh, that you've been able to, uh, to help along the way as sure well thing. Uh, right after we take a break this is Inspiring Stories Marcus Stafford is our special guest back with more after this
0: you're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Marcus Stafford, AM. Marcus, firstly, tell us uh, about getting that recognition, the AM initials after your name, just before we get into uh, more detail about uh, about MS and the other neurological conditions that you've been able to support uh, through your 20-odd years at MSWA. But at uh, the moment, you realised you were going to be acknowledged with a, an Order of Australia?
1: Yeah, the most delightful surprise. I got home from work and, yeah. and as we do every couple of days. Opened up the mailbox, and there was this rather unusual letter with a different sort of branding on it. And mm. I opened it up, and and there was the news. And at least it wasn't
2: a bill. Well, <laughs> that's right. All the rest <laughs> were. I can assure yeah. you
1: that. No, it was just fantastic. But but as I always say, um, you know, I and I really mean this. I I delighted to have accepted the Order of Australia on behalf of the thousands of people who worked with me over 30 years, both mm. at MSWA and at Bank West, because it's really, it's their medal just as much as mine, that it's yep. been a huge team effort that's got us where we have.
2: Yeah. Um, let's talk about MS. Uh, I think it's one of those um, those medical issues that people have generally heard of, mm. but maybe don't fully understand. Mm. If people come to you and say, markets, what actually is MS, tell us how it impacts the body uh, and the mind. Um, How do you answer that in in fairly simple
1: terms? So it's indiscriminate for starters. So if you're a blue-collar factory worker or a white-collar professional, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, if you're young or you're old, it doesn't matter. It's a condition that indiscriminately will find you irrespective of your background or your lifestyle. And um, what I've really been very conscious of over my time is how people's lives can change in the instant of a diagnosis. So it, it may start with uh, some tingling in the fingers or some blurring of the eyesight, followed by a GP appointment, followed by sitting in a neurologist's waiting room, an MRI, and then you're diagnosed with an incurable lifelong condition. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think if you, if you look at its effect on people, and you're right, Tim, it can affect some people physically, it can affect some people cognitively. It's a condition of the central nervous system where the body, for reasons that we don't understand, attacks its own myelin sheath or protective covering of, of nerves. And that then leads to a scrambling of those messages, which mm. those of us who are able-bodied just take for granted. And um, when I first started um, 20 years ago, I would sit in front of our newly diagnosed group and uh, almost didn't know what to say mm. because you, they're, they're shocked, they're stunned, their lives have changed. And, and it, it's tragic and traumatic at the same time. I don't find those sessions nearly as difficult today.
2: Because, be, because you've been there and, and done that or do you feel better
1: equipped to communicate no, with be, people? For, or delightfully for yeah. neither of those two valid reasons. Yeah. The reason is because the the medications and therapies have improved so much in 20 years through right. through the funding of research and other work that's been done around the world mm. that where once ms was a truly was a lifelong sentence of of endless and ongoing deterioration now it's not mm. uh we we're getting to a point where the medications if taken early enough and at the right doses can certainly slow, if not freeze, the progression the progression of disability. And that's yeah. before we even talk about the cures. So, so
2: you can you can offer some hope absolutely. to those people in those sessions. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And it's not it's not false hope. It's yeah. you know, I can in the same presentation I can say the good bit of, of MS, if there is any such thing, is called relapsing remitting. And it used to last for about ten years. The good bit of MS now with the new medications, therapies and treatments now lasts for at least 20 years. So you can actually see scientifically and empirically how disability is being managed through those conditions, and it's not just yeah. MS. Many of the other, as you rightly yeah. say, we look after all neurological conditions. Yeah. So what so,
2: what are the other sort of key ones that people might have come
1: across? Yeah. So more so we we support folk. Yeah. yeah. We support folk with uh, with stroke, acquired yeah. brain injury, Parkinson's, motor neuron disease um sadly the the gambit of neurological conditions is too broad yeah it's huge isn't it mm, it is and um so we our role is we we kind of do three things um we first up we we provide support and services to people with neurological conditions that's um physiotherapy ot nursing care support counseling all all those kind of real hands on services Um, The second thing is we build facilities. We have over 20 facilities here in Western Australia. That's where many of our 1,000 staff are based in those locations, um, helping people either with 24-hour residential care or other service provision. And the third string to our bow is the funding of and increasingly the involvement and engagement in research activities to help people living with MS today and hopefully to stop people from being diagnosed with MS in the future.
2: Yeah. And in terms of the, I don't know if this is too difficult a question, but the, the things that have happened, the, the improvements, the developments, the breakthroughs that have happened in your time, um, what are the what are the, the key ones that really mm. stand out for you in terms of that just sort of, I suppose, help to plot our
1: progress? Mm, mm. So so I think the, the best way I can describe that is um, it, it will remain a cocktail of events. There, there won't be one single reason for... The neurological conditions that I outlined before—if mm. if there was one single reason, it would have been found by now. So it will probably be a combination of genetics and environment and diet and all sorts of things in this concoction, which just make an unhappy accident. Um, if I, when people ask me for most of these conditions uh, over the last twenty years, are we closer to the cure? My answer is. Absolutely yes. And I say that with integrity and without fear of contradiction. I've seen the work that's been done in the last 20 years. My answer is absolutely yes. There's a big signpost up which says cure this way. It just doesn't say underneath quite how many kilometres there are left to go. But I'm convinced through the work both in Western Australia and we, we work with three fine icon brands. We work with Edith Cowan University, with Perrin and with Curtin. And I'm convinced through their work in Western Australia, through the work that we do throughout Australia more generally, Mm. and the work of the International Progressive Alliance based through the United States and overseas, that we are making some tremendously positive progress.
2: Yeah. And as you reflect on your time with MSWA, what are the things that you're most proud of? What would you like your legacy to be?
1: Um, I think my legacy is probably I've been privileged to be the name at the head of the organization. Um, what am I most proud of? Probably the word leadership. I, I think when we started, uh when I started too many moons ago, um we were uh, we were well intentioned, but we, we struggled in, in delivery. Now now we are a recognized and acknowledged leader within Western Australia. Um part of my past role was to help the MS Society of South Australia and the Northern Territory recover. They had um Two weeks until they closed, they couldn't meet next payrolls. So we were able to take our leadership team into that organisation and help rescue that company as well. Yeah, right. So, so I think that um, what am I most proud of would be our leadership within the West Australian community for the work we do, for the folk who we serve, and also more broadly throughout Australia and increasingly overseas, some of the influence we've had there yeah. too.
2: What's the What's the next step for the next person? I'm do <laughs> I'm not asking you to kind of write their script, if you like, but um, you know, in terms of the the, the near future, yeah, uh, for MS research
1: and and treatment, so so I, what does I, it look like? I mean, with my my best imaginative mm. crystal ball, um, I would say more of the same and some. Yeah. So the the more of the same would be the continued provision of services to the broad neurological cohort. Um, it would be to continue to be the country's leading funder of research. And also, I I think that we are a bit shy in what we should be doing for people aged over 65. I think the state has a responsibility for folk under 65, and, and the federal government side is for people over 65. And too often, I see people aged over 65 who I consider to be the poor relation, when in fact they should be people who we are eternally grateful to for paying taxes for all those years and in, in some cases for fighting wars for the freedom that we enjoy. Mm. So I would hope that my successor will continue that work and will do some more work uh, broadening the service armory for people aged over 65 as yep. well.
2: I'm hearing the advocate in you already, <laughs> going into bat uh, for seniors,
1: Marcus. Well, look, I'm going to do my best. Is but... this
2: a hint as to your next role, perhaps? <laughs>
1: look, I, I would like personally. Um, I, one of the things I love about Western Australia, and I guess one of the things I've loved about my role, has been my opportunity to influence state, federal government and senior business people yeah. around town to make our world a better place. Mm. So I can't just hang up my boots and spend my whole day playing golf or walking on beaches. I, I probably turned that do...
2: lifestyle down a long time ago. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'd like to do a little bit
1: more of that influence stuff to try and help us as a West Australian community just to enjoy the riches of life that we yeah. deserve. Maybe, look, no smaller sign, but
2: maybe you can sort out the NDIS for us
1: (laughs) On a rainy afternoon, no problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: In between rounds of golf. (laughs) Well, look, congratulations on everything that you've managed to achieve uh, throughout two decades at MSWA. And we look forward to what you do next, because I'm sure you'll be a a huge success at that as well, even if it is just semi-retirement, and playing golf, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, congratulations on everything that you've been able to do. And uh, thank you for sharing your story with us, on Tim. The thank you so
1: much. And I have to say that my my partner Celia has said to me. Yes, the word retirement still has retirement in it. So we'll see where we yeah, end up. Exactly. But, I, but I really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. You've got a new boss by the sound I of it. certainly do.
2: <laughs> it's, it's her time to tell you what to do. <laughs> very good. Thank you, Marcus. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on